Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera, editing, and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kara. How are you doing today? What have you been up to in the last day or two? Well, we're recording this right after Mother's Day and also right after my birthday. And my birthday was on Mother's Day this year. So I don't know if you know this, but I was actually born on Mother's Day and I'm the oldest child in my family. So my mom always likes to tell the story about how she kept telling my dad all day, I think this baby's coming today. You better get me a Mother's Day present. And my dad would jokingly say, oh, you're not a mother yet. You know, just jokingly say that. And it was like their running joke all day. And then I ended up arriving on Mother's Day. So I guess egg on my dad's face. I don't know. But <laughs> my mom won. I don't know. But it was just a, a funny story. <laughs> Did he have to go back and buy a present? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I do remember, though, that the story always includes that my dad passed out when I was born in the delivery room, like he ah. hit the floor. So <laughs> yes, it's always a funny story to me. So anyway, yeah. Happy Mother's Day. This is post Mother's Day, but happy Mother's Day to the mothers out there. And I hope everybody had a good day. So how did you spend your weekend? I spent my weekend with clients and creating tools. It's the now end of Mercury retrograde. So we have now passed the 2023 April-May version of that. And I spent the last day of it catching up and closing out some wonderful projects that had been hanging fire for a little while. And it was just a really nice, creative 36 hours of energy. And then I had uh, several equine gestalt clients that came down for sessions with me and the horses. And it was hot, hot, hot. And my barn has been taken over by wood bees right now. Oh, are those the ones that like burrow into the wood, like make the holes in the wood? They do. And they look like bumblebees, yeah. you know, and people get freaked out by them because they look like bumblebees. And I'm like, no, they're not bumblebees. They're wood bees. And yeah. they have zero sense of personal space, but they mm-hmm. aren't dangerous. Like they don't just seek you out to <laughs> harm you. They just 
run into you inadvertently and make piles of sawdust. But they were very interesting components to all of my client work this weekend with them running around in the barn, buzzing their little heads off. And I tried spraying them with horse fly spray and they'd fly away and fly back. And I swear they were looking at me like, what are you doing? That has zero effect except to make me wet. (laughs) So so anyway, they hung out with us. Well, you were so much busier than I. Yeah, I did. I had wonderful sessions all weekend long with people and But I did take some time off for myself a little bit on Sunday and got in a good nap. So my Sunday routine was right there. So what are we talking about today? Well, I feel like this topic has a tendency to be kind of like a Debbie Downer, but we are talking about how your business is affecting your body. And when you put this topic out as an option for us, I immediately had some ideas, (laughs) probably because I was experiencing back pain at the moment, but I immediately had some ideas. And so I thought, you know what? This would be a good episode for us to talk about the different ways that your business might be responsible (laughs) for some of those, you know, either physical challenges or mental health struggles that are out there. So yeah, I think this is a good episode. And like I said, I was instantly inspired by my back pain. (laughs) And I too have back pain because both (laughs) of us spend a lot of time in front of a computer. We do. And then you spend all this time in front of a computer being very sedentary. And then you get up and you leave that and you go do something incredibly physical. Yeah. And I'm going to guess out there in our listener land, my guess is that you and I are not the only people who have this issue. So let's go over the big three and dive into helping people understand how their business is affecting their body and also how they can do something about that. So So that's the good news part of this is that recognition is the first step and then it gets better and better from there. So the big three for this episode are physical effects of your health and well-being. That's big three number one. So that's understanding how the physical effects around you of your business are affecting your physical body. Then also your body includes your mental health. So there's this whole mental body that goes along with that. And we're going to talk about that as big three number two. And then the thing that we all seek for but never seem to feel like we find in a good capacity, and that is work-life balance. So being able to be an entrepreneur, but also take care of ourselves as human beings and live a fulfilling life. And you know me, I always say you want to build a business that supports the life you want to live versus building a life that supports the business that you have. So we'll dive into all of those. So the physical part of things, this is the part where we get to complain. And Kara, of course, has a beautiful list of things that are indications that we are definitely being affected physically by our business. Well, I'll start by saying that I spent in the research of this episode and putting it together way too much time trying to differentiate the difference between the word effect and the word affect. I had to Google it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had to make sure I was using it in the correct spots, that we were using it in the correct spots so that when I filled out the description for the episode, I was using it correctly. And this is one of those things that I have Googled probably 50 times in my lifetime since Google yep. was live and well. And I still can't remember. So I would just like to say that was a struggle right from the very beginning. But in terms of physical effects on your health and well-being. And it gave you some eye strain, right? A little bit of eye strain. <laughs> so that's the, the first top thing of that, the list. <laughs> the top of the list. The first thing that came to mind after I figured out the difference between effect and affect was it just had to do with extended periods of time that small business owners spend on screens, such as computers and tablets and smartphones like cell phones. And it just came down to things like you might experience eye strain, headaches, blurry vision. And I'm going to put it out there, crappy sleep patterns. Nobody wants to be told to put your phone down before you go to bed. We all like to like scroll those last 15 minutes before we pass out. Oh, TikTok is the best right before sleep. It is. It's the best. But I don't know about you, Cam. I have the hardest time already shutting down at the end of the day and getting my butt to sleep. As a matter of fact, when I actually do go to sleep, sometimes I dream about working. So <laughs> that is one I of the things I always, I know, right? I'm always working on is trying to figure out how to get that like awesome little scroll session and then put it away and like zone, you know, and go to sleep and like create some healthier patterns around that. So along with that eye strain, I think about prolonged computer use and just how much time I spend on a computer and how that can really contribute to a sedentary lifestyle. And we know that, you know, sitting around on our butts all the time is really linked to various health concerns like obesity, heart health, like cardiovascular problems. And I'm sitting here slouching right now, but crappy posture and muscle weakness. So I'm sitting here like hunched over my computer screen looking at my notes as we do this. So for photographers, and I'm guessing for other animal-based business out there, this is a big issue. So many people think that photographers are out running around, getting exercise, taking great pictures all day. But the truth is, is that most of the time we are sitting behind a computer. We're editing, we're responding to client needs. We're just doing like the day-to-day -day running of our business. But then all of a sudden we need to be physical. And when we need to be physical, we need to be very physical. For example, I will go from sitting to needing to be able to walk distances over tough terrain or climb hills, climb ladders to hang my backdrop. And so we really go from sedentary to physical that can be really challenging when it's not something you do every single day. It's like to be a photographer, you have to stay in decent enough shape to go out and have those adventures and get to the locations you need to get to to get the shot. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> it does. And it's not just photographers, right? Right. I know a lot of people in agriculture in particular that have times of year that they do different tasks, right? I'm particularly thinking mm -hmm. of my farmer neighbors right now who all winter, most of my agricultural neighbors, of course, are diversified. They have crops and they have cattle and they have a variety of things that they do. And in the winter, it's a lot of feeding of the animals, but it's in the truck. And then there's calving season, right? And so calving season, there's like no sleep and it's a totally different physicality. And then when it starts to become spring like it is now and we're in planting season, 
these guys are going, gals and guys are going, you know, they're working 18 hours a day and like sleeping very little when it's dry. And then when it rains, they can stay inside and rest. But the amount of stop start of physicality, you know, I don't think any physical trainer fitness trainer would ever look at the lives that people like us live with their agricultural or animal-based businesses and say, that's a healthy way to treat your body, right? Doing these odd things where you stay focused on one task for a really long period of time and don't use a whole nother part of your body. And then all of a sudden, within a day, you're like overusing that other part of your body. And it just, it starts to create a lot of strain over your entire system. That is so true. And it's funny because I don't know, I think that that's pretty common in a lot of animal-based business owners. I think that's really common. Yeah. Think of what you do at your job. I think of dog groomers. I grew up in a family of dog groomers, right? There's a very limited set of movements that you do repetitively. Now, I'm going to confess, I am not a dog groomer. (laughs) I shave one cat every few months because she doesn't shed right and she doesn't take care of herself. (laughs) I wish I could be a fly on the wall when you do that. (laughs) Oh, she's actually really, really good about it. Oh, she is? Of course, she's old and deaf. Yeah, she's old and deaf at this point. And she actually has figured out that it's good. Like, she feels better when we're done shaving her. So she's like, oh, I like it. So she gets a little crotchety with me because it takes me a while because I'm not fast and proficient at it. But I'm Uh going to tell you, Kara, I am sore after I shave the damn cat because I'm holding my body and my arms in angles that... I don't use on a regular basis. And there's very repetitive movements in that process. Occasionally, I get a wild hair and I shave all of our goats down, all our dairy goats down, because I like the way they look when they're shaved and they like being cool. So I shave them all in spring when it gets nice if they're not shedding out the way I want them to. But still, I will wear myself out with that. But dog groomers make the same motions over and over and over again because that's what they have to do to be able to do that for eight hours a day. And those repetitive motions wear on your shoulders. They wear on your wrists. And not to mention, when my sister was alive, she had a lot of trouble with corporal tunnel syndrome from the vibration of the clipper in her hand because she had a hold of a vibrating item all day long. So you don't think about that. I don't think it registers to people always that there's these repetitive motions that you have to do over and over and over again. And that's one thing. And like you mentioned with photography, we are out there lifting our cameras up to our faces, right? All damn day long. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And getting up and down, up and down, because we're constantly getting low, getting high, getting low. You're getting high and getting low. Yeah. (laughs) I have reached the age where that no longer happens. I bend over and look really bizarre. Just stick my butt in the air and bend over. (laughs) You got to do what you got to do. (laughs) Because I no longer can do that, get up and down. It's anything for the shot. That's right. Anything for the shot. Well, it's funny that this recently came so true to life to me. I 
I don't know if I've mentioned on the show before, but the last several months I've been working really hard on my physical fitness and my nutrition and just trying to make some changes due to that sedentary lifestyle I've created for myself. And one of the things that it included was this thing called an in-body scan where they take the muscle mass and the weight of your body limbs. And so one of the things they did is they took the muscle mass of my arms and my right arm which is the one that I used to lift that ridiculously heavy 1DX camera, was a marked difference between my left arm in terms of muscle mass. So I don't know if I need to move things around on my camera harness and start lifting with the other hand or what, but it really gave me a little laugh. I mean, these are real, true-to-life, physical examples and physical things that happen with those repetitive movements of only using a single body part. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the danger aspect, right, of some of these jobs that yeah. people do. Absolutely. Think about a horse trainer. I know a lot of horse yeah. trainers. And here's another group of people who think that they're super in shape. And they are in the capacity of riding a horse. But I swear, the horse trainers I've known, if they aren't regularly seeing a chiropractor and then like go everything is out of whack because they've been maybe riding colts. They've gotten tossed off a few times. They've got horses that don't have a lot of balance to them when they're moving out. I mean, there's a lot to look at. And horses, I love horses and they're such muses for me, but they are also large, dangerous animals that can whack into you that are also flight driven. You know, they like to leave the scene of the crime, so to speak. And they sometimes leave you behind or run into you. I mean, there's just so much that physically is a liability for you as a human being around these really large creatures. I also think of my dog groomer friends who Mm -hmm. have been bitten. And that that's going to play into our next one, too, which is now once you've been, you know, thrown off a horse or you've been injured, you protect that part of yourself. And then you open yourself up to other injuries. But also it does take a mental toll on you, right? Yeah. Danger is a part of what we do when we work with animals. Absolutely. I have a dog trainer friend that worked with my dog for a while back, and she was very seriously bitten by a dog that just latched onto her knee and destroyed it. And if she didn't have a partner in the business that could keep going forward and keep the business moving forward, I think that could have been pretty devastating for her business and for her in general. And you think about like how many small animal-based business owners have insurance that can help, you know, address the medical needs that come out of an accident or an injury. So yeah, that's so important. And there's two other areas here regarding physical effects on your health and well-being that I want to mention real quick. One of them is, I think it kind of fits really well. It talks about like irregular eating habits. I don't know about you, but I have found it challenging as a business owner to maintain regular meal schedules. This is something I deal with all the time. I forget to eat, I skip meals, or I'm on the roads for long periods of time and make really poor eating choices at gas stations and fast food, or we're at ranches where our normal diet, you know, we have a hard time with our diet trying to find foods that meet our needs. I don't know. I just find that this for me personally is really bad for my energy level and it's really bad for weight gain. And I see you laughing at me. (laughs) 
I just, I think of every time I have been on a road trip out of an airplane with you and, and you go into the, you know, you've seen that meme on Facebook that says every road trip snack run should look yes, like a five-year-old me. was, you know, or a 10-year-old was left I unsupervised know. with $100 to I get know. snacks. I know. And it's like, that's you. I can't help it. The listener land out there. I have been introduced to some of the most <laughs> wonderful snacks through Kara. She has these interesting snacks that she gets. And I'll tell you, you definitely have gotten me to have an addiction to bold almonds. They're so addictive. <laughs> I like the bold almonds. They're so addictive. They're very good. And they're actually. I mean, not I'm that sure the sodium content is fairly great, healthy, but... except for the monumental <laughs> amount of salt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not as good. But yeah, and just like you said, I eat like a coyote. That's what I say. I eat like a coyote. I kind of scavenge what I can find. You know, I'll go kill something in the fridge every once in a while. But I do. I eat like a coyote because you have to, right? That's part of when you're seeing clients all day long. And I don't know about you, but I don't mark the lunch hour out on my schedule. I'll talk about this in the tip section, but I actually do now. I have alarm set for all of that. So I'll talk about that nice. in the tip section a little bit. The last thing I want to add, though, before we move on. As long as that doesn't apply to your snack runs. <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> so, okay, the last thing before we move on, under physical effects. I think this one is, we don't even yet know the repercussions of this one, but I'm seeing things already just in terms of AI usage. This one is big. So, I think right now, more and more business owners are relying heavily on AI systems. So like chat, GPT, GPT, I never can say it right. GPT. Thank you. Chat, GPT, are just more heavily relying on them for information and communication. And we have to be balanced. We have to take a balanced approach on this. If we depend solely on AI-generated information, I think it's going to start limiting our ability to be critical thinkers, and it's going to affect our ability to really create our own unique content. It's like going to make us dumb. I don't know how else to say it. So it's like use it as a tool, but use it sparingly and be thoughtful about how you use it if you're going to use it. And that's the last thing I have in this section. I don't know if you want to add anything to that before we move on. Yeah, I think that this is going to be something that, you know, we're going to see the repercussions of Mm -hmm. over time for people. But I think it's going to change the way we communicate because of it. And I don't know yet how we're going to navigate that. I'm really open-minded about AI, but I also am a little concerned about AI as well, just like everyone else is. Like, how are we going to navigate this new territory? And I think that that probably is a beautiful segue into the second part of this, which is mental health. Because I'm going to say that AI is probably going to affect your mental health. It's a sticky little wicket when it comes to what is real and what is artificial. And as we navigate how we want to draw that line in our culture and in our own personal lives and all the other places, AI is going to be a sticky wicket when it comes to our mental health. But I still don't think it's the biggest one. I think the biggest part of being a business owner and it affecting our body is stress and anxiety and trauma. 
And, you know, Melissa Pierce, who does the equine gestalt program that I graduated from, she's a big proponent in saying your body speaks the truth and it speaks first. And I know we just went through all of these physical things that have very physical connections, right? You can connect exactly what the physicality is with whatever injury or pain or effect that it has Mm -hmm. on your physical body. But the reality is, is your mental health affects your physical body too. It does. And if you are under stress, if you are under anxiety, if you are experiencing trauma in your workplace, like for example, just the thought of your friend who was bitten so badly by a dog, There's a psychological component to that. And if that's your career and that's the way you feed your family and that's the way you support yourself emotionally and spiritually, that's been damaged. And that trauma is hugely affecting on your physical body. Sometimes the way it shows up is our physical body says, I don't want to do this, or I'm going to have a fear response and I'm going to shoot you full of adrenaline so that you know, you can't think as clearly when you're in that situation. And then it becomes a mind and body argument that you've got to work yourself through. There's just so much of that that becomes perilous when we are business owners, because it's all tied up in things that are so important to us and so important to how we walk through the world. Absolutely. The pressure, the responsibility, there's just so much that comes with owning an animal-based business. And like you've been saying, it absolutely takes a toll on our mental health. I think you've mentioned a couple things, anxiety, depression, burnout is huge. We've done a whole episode on burnout and a big one, which is feelings of isolation. Yep. It can be super stressful. We know that. But when it's super stressful and dealing with those you know, significant challenges like the financial pressures that come with owning an animal-based business, the competition that you be feeling, that chronic stress, like you said, it does lead to physical symptoms. It might be headaches. It might be fatigue, it might be digestive problems, it might be crappy immune system. I mean, that is like you said, and like Melissa was saying, it can manifest itself in a physical way as well. So one of the things that you and I talk about all the time is how running a small business can just be so isolating, especially for those solopreneurs out there or those who work with a very limited support staff. Um, Just having lack of like, colleagues or a support network can contribute to those feelings that a lot of us feel that is loneliness. And that just the loneliness aspect alone can impact our mental health and our well-being. In addition, I don't know about you, Kim. Actually, I'm going to go out here and just say you probably feel like I do. I have a very strong emotional attachment to my business. And I have invested a significant amount of time of my energy, of my personal funds into building and growing my business. And in some ways, I feel like my identity and my self-esteem is tied to my business. And that is an emotional connection that can be really challenging. And it can be really hard to disconnect that work from my personal life and prioritize that. Like those things sometimes feel so interconnected. So I think that piece of it, you know, just that strong emotional attachment to our business can be really almost like crippling. I mean, it can be really, really hard to disconnect and to take a break from that. And then the last little piece of that is just 
that has to do with mental health for me is just that, you know, as small business owners, there's so many uncertainties out there. There's so many challenges and unexpected things that can happen. And that will increase the pressure and the stress levels. I don't know about you, but I worry about failure. I worry about financial insecurity. I worry about the pressure that I have to meet my goals. And I worry about meeting my clients' needs all the time. You know, and this can be something that can lead to a constant, almost like a preoccupation with work. And that can make it really difficult to relax and make it really difficult for me to enjoy the limited time that I have already that I would consider personal time. Do you resonate with any of that? Yes, I do. I resonate with it in the way that it shows up in, especially when I'm working with clients and how it shows up in their lives. It shows up as anxiety where it becomes a problem in their relationships, like their marriages Mm -hmm. suffer, their relationships suffer, their business partnerships suffer. It shows up in their physical bodies through addictions and eating disorders and even diseases that cause chronic pain or chronic fatigue, a variety of different ways that it shows up there. It shows up in self-harm, which is another thing of saying addiction, right? Because that's the way that you have to let the pressure off some way. And some of the ways that you can do that is through self-harming behaviors, which are not healthy. So yes, I do believe that when you own a business, when you become especially, as you said, isolated as a solopreneur, it does feel lonely. It sometimes feels like you against the world, you against your family, you against everything. And I think that's where we have to go into our big three, number three, which is working our way out of one and two and into better work-life balance, which is where we have to take a nice hard look at how our business is really affecting our body and our mental health and saying, what do I need to do to balance this equation out to become sustainable? And this makes mention of the fact that if you want to drop by my website, bemorebusiness.com, I have a blog post called The Eight Practices of the Sustainable Entrepreneur. And I think that this is a place where those eight practices become really, really important in somebody's lives. And you guys can head over there if this is of interest to you. But the whole principle behind why I wrote that was that for you and I, Kara, and for a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, this is not a business that we're going to build and sell. It is not a business that we are probably going to fully ever retire from until we physically or mentally can't keep up with it or emotionally it becomes too much. I work with mission-based entrepreneurs. I work with people who have a passion and all of my animal-based business clients fall into that category. They have a passion for what they do. This is what they want to be doing for the rest of their lives. And Unfortunately, the way that we have been taught to build a business, the way we have been taught to run a business, the traditional business knowledge, is for that person who's going to sustain this incredibly fast-paced, hard lifestyle for a short period of time and then get out of it and have a break and then maybe go back and repeat it again. 
we aren't building business owners that way anymore. Our businesses are built to stay in business long term. We're looking at being 70. I have clients that are in their 70s and 80s that are running businesses, which is great. I absolutely love it. I want to be 87 years old and going to Powderhorn and teaching new photographers things. But that takes a toll on your ability to sustain. And when it comes to this work-life balance equation, that's where we have to be sustainable. We can't expect ourselves to run at that high capacity long-term. We have to learn what do we need to do to become sustainable so we can be 85, 87, 90, still doing what we love to do, still making a living at it, still making a difference in the lives of the people that we serve and the animals that we serve in a way that's beneficial to us and them. So I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but I hope that other people hear me out there to say, you've got to create sustainability in your life and in your business. And to do that, you're going to have to do some really hard personal work around taking some clear guidance of how to get things in a better balance so you can stay sustainable. It's just essential. I mean, I don't know. We invest so much time and effort and energy into these businesses. And it does. Like you said, it leads to an imbalance between work and personal life. I don't know about you. and I mean, I do know you work like I do. We work long hours. We work evenings. We work weekends to get it all done. And it just feels like there's this need to juggle all of these responsibilities to ensure that everything runs like it should between our business, our personal life, you know, it might be raising children or caring for animals. There's just so much of that. And it's really easy for boundaries to get blurred. It's really easy for it to become blurred between what's work and what's personal. And I think as business owners, even when we have the help, we feel this need to constantly be involved in what's happening in our business all the time. You know, sometimes this might be because we have limited resources and we can't afford help and we're the only ones that can do the work. We can't afford anyone to help us. But, you know, other times it's just that we're so invested that we just feel like we have to be in the mix. We have to be in it all the time. And this can take, I mean, it can really put a strain on our relationships with family and friends. And, you know, having limited availability because you're always at work, missing social engagements, this can increase the stress levels and affect the quality of personal relationships that we have. And honestly, especially in my case, that shows up like guilt and it shows up like isolation. And that's one of those things that I think that's why this work-life balance is so important. My husband and I, you know, Ed, we talk about this sometimes because he runs a big company and he's very busy. But when he comes home, he's off, like he's home. I mean, he still has to answer emergency calls and he's still somewhat on call. But for the most part, he's not doing it alone in his work. He has other people that, you know, are answering the phones. He has other people that are kind of handling the day-to-day operations. So it's like we have this conversation all the time where I'm like, well, I'm pretty much the only person in my business. So, you know, and so I have to check the emails and I have to (laughs) just make sure that, you know, I'm responding to DMs and that I'm returning phone calls. And sometimes that's during our personal time. And that can be, like I said, that's something we talk about all the time. And it doesn't give me an excuse to neglect my relationship, neglect my household, neglect my family time that I have set. So like I said, it's something we talk about a lot in my household. 
Yeah, I can totally get that. I totally understand how people fall into this rabbit hole. And I also understand how important it is to find your way out. And I know that you have a list of things here that people can do to help get themselves out of the situation if they recognize or resonate with some of the things that we've said today. But I also want to put my two cents in and say, this is not a journey you have to take alone. That isolation part of it does not extend here. And there are a multitude of amazing humans out on this world who are very, very good at helping you be able to create a life that you want to and will love to live that is balanced and allows you to be able to have that time with your family that you want and also allows you to have the business that supports that lifestyle in a way that you absolutely love. And I know it's tough for a lot of our listeners to ask for help. And I don't even want you to think of asking for help. What I want you to think of is creating a partnership with another person who has some wisdom that can lend you that wisdom so that you can create your own solution. Because I know entrepreneurs are all like, yep, I can get it done. I know how to do it. I can get it done. But having someone facilitate that with you is super, super helpful. So if you have questions about that, reach out to someone who is a therapist or a gestaltist or go to workshops. Get yourself out among people who are good at this, who are good at helping alleviate the physical pain, helping get you out of your own way with your mental health, getting you stable, getting you to have a work-life balance, healing your relationships where they need to be healed, healing your body where it needs to be healed, healing your mind and your soul. And work towards that with as much care as you take in your business. That is huge. And that is, I'm not going to cover that on this list because that is so huge, but I would just add to that, create your network you know, find your people and rely on them, you know, have those Zoom meetings where you chat and you talk about the industry or go to the coffee meetings. I would just add to that, seek the professional help, seek the support, seek the network. All of those things are huge. I've got a little bit of a, a couple things here that I think kind of talk back to what we've spoken about already today. The first thing is, is there are usually ways that you can find to bring in some form of delegation. If you have staff, try to use them, depend on them, but also looking for virtual assistance, looking for other businesses that are out there that are designed to help take some of the load off of you. Maybe it's a bookkeeper, maybe it's someone to respond to your social media posts. You know, there are things out there and there are ways that you can sit down and start thinking about those and making a list about what you can start having other people help you with. Some of these other things have to do with boundaries. One of the best things I did was I created actual working hours and I make every effort to stick to them. That means I don't return phone calls if it's not during the hours. I don't respond to DMs if it's not during my hours of operation. I don't return emails if it's not during my hours of operation. And I set autoresponders up to let people know that that's not going to be happening, you know, when they can expect to hear from me. A big challenge sometimes is simply learning to say no. You know, Kim always says... Sometimes saying no gives you your next yes, your next good yes that you need, the next right thing for you. And learning to say no when you've already got so much on your plate, 
is a big, big boost to your boundaries. And then we talked about AI earlier. Try to use it in moderation. I mean, I'm seeing people using it a lot and I don't know, it just feels wrong. Use it to your advantage. Use it when you need it, but take some breaks from it. Make your brain work on its own a little bit. Just keep stretching that muscle so that when you do use it, you know how to make it work for you and just try not to rely on it so heavily. Make sure that you dedicate time for the fun stuff. You need to be scheduling the date night if it's been a while, right? I know I need to get on that. Take some time for the family. Put your phone down and play the game. Put the phone down, have the dance party. Get out there and do the things you love. You know, go ride your horse. Go enjoy your hobbies, whatever that might be. And sometimes it's as simple as relax. Just go curl up with a book. And that for me sometimes is one of the hardest things is just taking the time to be still and just sit. Practice some of those stress management techniques like meditation, exercise, being mindful. Those are all big things. I've made exercise a big part of my stress management and it has given back to me so, so many just times over what I've put into it. So I can't express that enough. One of the things that I do, I talked about meals and eating, is I set alarms on my phone now so that I remind myself to eat. So I have an alarm to remind myself to eat breakfast. One of the biggest things that I would do is I would get to work in the morning and then it would be 11 or 12 o'clock and I hadn't eaten anything all day. And now I have an alarm that goes off to remind me to eat breakfast. I have an alarm that goes off to remind me that it's lunchtime. Nothing is worse than it's time to go pick up my kiddo from school and I haven't eaten all day. And you just feel like crap. You don't feel like your brain's functioning. It's probably not functioning well because you haven't been feeding it. Yeah, I think those are probably the biggest things that I have that Kim didn't include into the mix here. I think this is a big topic and I hope we haven't put it out there that, you know, having a business is bad for your body because that's not true. But if you're not being mindful about it and you're not taking the steps to think about your health, your physical health and your well-being, your mental health and your well-being and being really active in creating that work-life balance, I think your chances of having longevity and working in your business like Kim and I hope to do forever, for as long as we can, until we decide we can't physically do it anymore, I think that that increases our chances of being able to do that if we can take the time to focus on the big three. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.